the RTE Rugby World Cup podcast, sponsored by Bank of Ireland. Hello and welcome along to the RTE Rugby World Cup podcast. We are just a couple of days out from Ireland's Pool B decider against Scotland. Our second podcast of the week here on RTE Rugby, we had James Downey and Rory Lawson looking ahead to the game on Tuesday. So if you haven't caught that, you can go back and listen to it as well. Today, Bernard Jackman with us as usual on a Thursday. How are things, Birch? Oh, good, thanks. How's tours? Or how was tours? It's been fantastic. We're getting out of here today, heading up to up to Paris. This is uh, the last the last bit of it. I've only done a week here. A lot of the journalists have done four, maybe even five weeks at this stage here. And God, it's an absolutely fantastic spot. Players all seem to love it. Um, and I might double back on a little bit later on when we're talking about the the environments that teams are in and things like that, because uh, it's it's interesting to see now that they're going in towards the bubble of Paris. Because I do also want to welcome on our other guest, Dan Levy is with us. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Big day for you, not just because you get to share a spot on the podcast with myself and Bert. You got a, a bit of news in the in the, in the business? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, we're doing our second release of OWN now at 10 a.m. today. Um, so it's a product of a lot of hard work, a lot of months of graft. Um, but yeah, we're super excited to release our second liquid and our second uh, volume of it. So first one went really well, sold out um, 1,100 bottles in 20 hours. So I hope this one goes even quicker. So there we go. OwnWhiskey.com. Did you, did you have a tip love at Birch? Yeah, I have. I got a couple of bottles of it, so I uh, haven't drank them all yet. I'm going through it slowly. I don't drink <laughs> special occasions for me, but um, uh, no, it's lovely, really good. Celebrate a World Cup, a World we'll Cup. Be drinking oh, yeah, that'll, 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 that'll be the that'll be the end of two bottles if we get there. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, you were also you were also at the Ryder Cup over the weekend. How did how did that go? Uh, before we get into things, stalker. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was deadly. Um, it was it was amazing to be over there. First of all. Uh, I was a little bit worried after Europe went four points up in the first uh, the first round and the first day, but credit to the US, they actually fought back quite well and they made a real competition on the last day. Um, I, I, I was following Larry at round at the end, hoping that we get another Irishman to win the Brigham Ryder Cup, but uh, he got his half in the end and it, it was it was awesome. It was really like this, it, it's, it's so different to a rugby atmosphere insofar as if you're you can hear people chirping and shouting at the, at the players in a rugby environment because it's so loud and they're quite far away from the pitch. But they're like the Ryder Cup, I couldn't believe how close people actually were to the golfers and and the, uh, the kind of party atmosphere and all the hectic and stuff. It was it was funny. It was very good. Have you been to much golfers? No, I'm not a golfer. No, no. I went to the Irish Open years ago, but uh, Cheltenham or Royal Ascot or Aintree or Leperstown or Punchdown was my team. Well, when Ryder Cup comes to a dare, I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, probably I'm a bit of an event yeah. junkie. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll try and, I'll try and be a bandwagoner there. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll be working at it somewhere. He'll be working at it. He'll be doing podcasting. Listen, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I might quit the golf market. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into the rugby because Birch, it's been a, it's been a strange week. I found up until I think the weekend, everyone was full of confidence. The South Africa game had gone brilliantly. The result was what we wanted, and. Um, it's gone from talking about getting first place in the pool and all of a sudden these permutations are kind of cropping up in people's heads and we're thinking not so much what Ireland needs just to, to top the pool, but it's the thought of 
what can they lose by? What can't they lose by? And what are your own confidence levels like at, at this stage of the week? Uh, I'm confident. I think the only thing that would jeopardize our chance of of winning is if we're, we're overconfident. Uh, and I don't see that happening with this group. I think um, they'll see enough in Scotland um, to make them very wary. Um, and know they're going to have to be on the, on the money defensively. They'll see some things that South Africa did that really put a squeeze on, on Scotland. Um, I think up front, we've, we've managed to dominate them physically over the last couple of years. And the teams who have got into trouble against Scotland, I feel, haven't really gone after them. They try to just kind of play their normal game. And, and Scotland have caught England a couple of times. They've caught Wales, they've caught France but in, in that manner. Whereas when we've played them, we've, we've been really um, consistent in terms of being able to uh, to dominate them and take away any of their flair or any of their energy from from getting the ball into those wider channels. So uh, that's a challenge. I think it's more up to Scotland to adapt and show something different they haven't shown before. And, and um, obviously, I, I was I was pretty disappointed with Scotland against South Africa because it looked like they had no plan to try and hurt that blitz. Uh, or they had a plan, but it was it was obviously a a plan that didn't work. Whereas at least against our against South Africa, from an Irish point of view, even though we didn't hurt them, you could see that they put a lot of thought into how we would. Um, and they'll be they'll they'll have learned a lot from that if we end up playing South Africa again, because you know we're going to have to add other layers to it to be able to hurt them. So that's the that's the that's the thing with Scotland. Are they going to just say, look, this is what we are? We're a team who. We play a lot of 10, you know, Finn's going to give us those opportunities. And even though South Africa should have stayed, that's going to work against Ireland, or are they going to actually change it up a little bit? Because we didn't see a lot, and there's no need for them to, to change too much against Tonga, Romania, because, you know, if they do get the ball into the in, into their back three, uh, um, they're, they're unbelievable players. You know I mean, they, they can win one-on-one duels. So um, that's that's going to be a fascinating side of it. But I'm not, I'm not overly concerned, to be honest. I think this team deserve confidence from the consistency they've shown and um, ability just to get it, get it going. Yeah, like Dan, I mean, just they've won 16 games in a row. There's no there's no reason to expect why the Irish players would all of a sudden be tensing up and getting nervous this week. Yeah, I, I actually find it really interesting how the whole rhetoric has changed from Ireland being in control of the group to being un, the ones under pressure, having not played a game. So I thought it was, I think that's pretty interesting. Obviously, that's a bit of Razzie, um, doing Razzie things. And I think um, even like Hamish Watson coming out and saying no pressure on us. But like, look, I think I think the Irish team, as you've alluded to there, they've just been remarkably consistent. Um, I think they're, they're like for some reason, two weeks prep for a game has turned into this week has turned into like um, like a hindrance and something bad for Ireland. But Look, I know the guys, we know what it's like in camp. They'll be super dialed in. Um, obviously, go full noise and hopefully they can get, get ahead. I think Scotland's um, will obviously come out of the blocks quick. Um, they'll probably look back the last time they beat Ireland was when it was in Murrayfield. It was 2017 and they just started super fast. Um, got out, I think they were 20 points up at halftime. Um, and I think Ireland will look at that and make sure that that isn't the opportunity that they give and make it a dogfight. So um, start start well, clinical start, um, get the t- scoreboard ticket, 
And, you know, if they have a bit of breathing sp space, which hopefully they will towards the end of the game, they can start to swap guys out uh, and get an eye to the next, um, next game. Like you mentioned, uh, Scotland in that 2017 game, fast start. And Birch, one of the things I was thinking recently, it's been a while since we've actually seen Ireland make a particularly fast start. Probably early yeah. rounds of the Six Nations, Wales, France and Italy in those games where they really, really came out flying it. And against Scotland and against England in the Six Nations, took them a little while to get into things. And even through the, through the warm-up games and pretty much all of the, the World Cup games so far, they've They've slowly built their way into a match. Do you think it's, I don't want to say deliberate, that they're not kind of coming out fast, but do you think that they are almost deliberately just kind of working their way through matches at the moment? No, I, I don't think so. I think they'll be frustrated with that. And I think, yeah, is it just a coincidence that it hasn't happened yet? Yeah, absolutely. No, um, and you've seen them in the past kind of um, have a real mindset about laying down a bit of a, uh, a gauntlet and, and like so from, you know, getting the, Winning the toss and deciding to receive the kickoff and then attacking from deep, um, you know they were doing that last year and and just basically saying, okay, we're we're not afraid to play against you. We're gonna this is what we're gonna do, um, and I think they've been frustrated with some of their accuracy. Like I think at the start against South Africa, obviously they wanted to have that fast start and kick to the corner, and you know obviously didn't execute it. So the mindset is there, but the execution hasn't been likewise as you said back to the England game, etc. They were very frustrated after that win, even though. It was obviously a huge win in terms of it was a grand slam at the end of it, but they were very frustrated and disappointed with the content of the performance. So um, I think to be a no better game to, to do that, you know, you just want to snuff out any 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 hope the Scots have because for sure they're going to be trying to find ways of believing that they can beat Ireland, and of course they can beat Ireland because it's a it's a it's going to be a competitive match. But um, realistically, if Ireland were to to get ahead of them, get 10 points ahead of them. Um, I think it'd be very difficult for Scotland then to to go chase the game because any errors that they have will be magnified and, and punished by Ireland. So um, if there's ever a game we want to get that, and obviously leading in, if we can qualify, um, that could be key against the Blacks as well. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely something I think that would be very much on their mind. And I think just to, to come in on that as well, it's obviously, it, it is frustrating, but it's definitely harder to break down teams at the start of a game. Everyone's full energy, they're fired up, but this is basically a do or die for both teams. So they'll have their plans in place. And obviously, <clears throat> as the game goes on, people start to get a bit more tired. We figure out the kind of chinks in their armour and what, what's going to work against them and what their plan, what their defensive plan is looking like. So, um it definitely is. Obviously, everyone wants a fast start, but it is definitely harder to break down teams super motivated uh, at the very start of the game. That'll come later on. And I think that'll happen this weekend as well. It, obviously, they're going to look to try and get that fast start, but I think where the real damage will be done is kind of the last 20, 30 minutes. And, you know, we'll see how how well Scotland will, will cope as kind of the bench players start coming on and, and, and people start getting fatigued and uh, the gaps get wider in the defence. Yeah, and like we've really seen that actually in like just the South Africa game as an example, but what the the impact the bench brought with Conor Murray and, and Ian Henderson. In terms of the, the permutations, Dan, I'd be curious. Like there are a handful of obviously the main one is win or draw, Ireland go through. It's it's a fairly simple one there, but win. a couple of bonus points. Yeah, you do have a couple of bonus point situations where, you know, Ireland just need to be wary of of what they need. 
Um, I'd be curious to get your opinion back when you were playing. Maybe there might have been a few Heining Cup occasions where there were X, Ys and Z permutations on final rounds or, or second last rounds. Would you as a player have it in your head, just, just knowing what you need without getting bogged down or, or dwelling on the finer details, but just if you end up in certain situations in a match to have that prepared, or is it kind of designated to maybe three or four leaders on the pitch, the decision makers on the day? Yeah, it usually would be designated. I think the messaging for the team is win first. Um, like if you're going in and saying we need one bonus point here or whatever, we can go through. Um, that's all wrong. So the, the the team will be win first, but you've obviously got your your kind of spine of the team, your nine, ten captains, um, second uh, whoever's calling the line out, J or probably will will be acutely kind of as things get later on, they'll know what they need if it gets to that stage. But definitely win first messaging is kind of what you need. Birch, the the notion of this um, Ireland-Scotland going into cahoots to knock out South Africa, for some reason it just seems to have picked up legs over the last few days. Uh, probably just nonsense noise from South Africa. Um, I think Mike Cash summed it up perfectly yesterday when he was asked about it. And he said, why would... Why would we want to lose by 21 points to to Scotland? I mean, when you look at the the things that are needed for both sides to end up with that situation, it's actually easier to just go out and win the bloody game, isn't it? Does anyone know where to start it? Like it's uh I got a I got a WhatsApp from a guy I actually uh really respect and I uh, and and I was like, what are you talking like this was last Sunday? Uh, it was East South African to be fair. And he goes, The rumor is, and I was like this is bizarre. It's like it's clean off. It uh, so and I and I, and I I thought that was the end of it, but now it's actually starting to get some traction. Um, it's funny. I think Razzy, Razzy following just the IRFU. He want like he, he used to follow zero people, and this week he's following the IRFU and Scotland as if like uh, he's watching to see. He's brilliant. In fairness, um, uh, he's very very funny. He's uh, yeah, and it's just built up with freaking fans. And we come, I think some of us, some of our fans are, are media. We're not painting ourselves in, in glory either, but um, South African fans love a conspiracy theory. And, uh, but it's totally like it's preposterous, really. You know what it's, I mean? It's, it's, it's insane. Crazy. There's no there's no one in any squad thinking of anything like that. You know? it's, it's actually, it's pretty embarrassing. Like, if people, <laughs> whoever's engaging in this kind of stuff is just needs to have like, this is like a 12 year old, like playground kind of. Uh, it's it, it 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 baffles me honestly. I couldn't believe that people are suggesting that because it it's also such a it's such a specific situation. So what both sides have to score four tries. Scotland would need to win by twenty one plus. I mean, if Ireland are to lose in four score tries, you're talking they're scoring twenty plus. Tag on another twenty, whatever. Scotland would have to be hitting close to fifty. I mean, if Scotland were to beat Ireland fifty five twenty eight, I think there would be. An inquiry called by World Rugby. <laughs> Listen, we'll move on to more serious matters. Yeah, yeah probably like proper stuff. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Um, the Six Nations between the sides, or Six Nations meeting between the sides back in March, Birch. Um, obviously, Ireland ground their way through it, and particularly with the challenges they had in the second half of, of the injuries. Scotland did show in the first half of that game how dangerous they can be and how much they can stretch Ireland. Yeah, but I absolutely, you know, they are a dangerous team, but like I think Ireland's defense, and I'd love to hear um, Dan's thoughts on it. I mean, it seems to be going to a new, a new level, and obviously the South Africa game was was a very unique match where 
you were going to get tested. But I, I actually thought we didn't just get tested um around a rook, like sometimes can against the box. Um they actually tried to play a little bit and they weren't like they've got dangerous runners and we, we snuffed them out um pretty well. And even when they brought the power game from the land day, okay, we you know, we got bumped a couple of times, but we scrambled uh really well. So that's the that's the reason I think I'm even more comfortable going to this game is that Ireland defensively look to be a lot better. The only question mark is if there ever has been a, a weakness in our defence, it's been sometimes in those wide channels. Uh, we have some tended to get a little bit narrow, obviously, against Italy um, in the warm-up games, etc. And Jacob Stockdale got got blamed for that because he missed the tackle. But we there has been times, now it hasn't been evident in this in this Rugby World Cup um, because, in fairness, like, the only real challenge we had from an attacking point of view was, was South Africa. Um, and obviously everybody would have been incredibly aware of, of the need to have a big defensive performance and in it. But yeah, I think that our defence is, is is in a very good place in terms of discipline, in terms of aggression, in terms of selection around the breakdown and, and spacing, etc. But I don't know what you think, Dan, and, and I haven't watched it from, from your side. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I, I think I've mentioned it previously. I think... What Ireland have now, which is really, really important, is kind of jackal threats throughout the team and all over the pitch. So if you're Scotland and you're going to try and play wide and get the ball to Duham and and Darcy Graham if he's playing, um, you know, if there's good tackles put in there, there is really good opportunities because it's tough to resource those breakdowns in the wider channels. So I think it'll be key, obviously, Mac and, and Lowy to, to be able to make those tackles. But then you even get Gary and Bundy near the ball then as well. And they're difficult men to shift over the ball. So, um, yeah, it's one of these things, you know, they they have some really, really X-factor players, uh, particularly at wide. So um, if they can get them to space, you know, who knows what will happen. And also, Finn Russell is probably one of the best in the world at crossfield kicks. Um, his ability to kind of take it to the line, sit down defenders and then and step to the side and get these balls away. So that could hurt Ireland, definitely. Um, but again, look, the guys have had two weeks to prep for this. Uh, they'll have had their Finn Russell running around and training with the red bib on trying everything. So they will be expecting, you know, the unexpected in, that, in, in a certain regard. But again, look, I think... When you play against Scotland, I think I think the main thing is up front. I think to deny them go forward ball in the pack, to deny them set piece ball, uh, strangle them there a little bit, and then Finn Russell's a different player if he's playing on his on his heels to with go forward. I think arguably probably the best ten in the world going forward. Um, but it is very difficult for a player like him, uh, kind of mercurial player like him to. It's definitely, it's not impossible, but it's harder to do on, on, on the way back. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of the blueprint, really. Yeah, and like there's, there's plenty of, there's, Finn Russell obviously is brilliant, but at this stage, there is quite a lot of familiarity with those players and, and Finn Russell, Birch, like consistently playing against Scotland in Six Nations and two World Cups in a row. And then also just for example, a lot of those Leinster players have, come up against him twice in the last season in the Champions Cup as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think I don't think they would fear him to, to like other opposition would. I think the issue for Scotland is even though they've got like, you know, Hugh Jones, Tupelotu, um a, a variety of good nines, you know, they they shouldn't be just a single threat attack. 
but they kind of are. They, they kind of are, are or have shown that. And that's what I'm fascinated to see if they if they vary it up. I, I think there was an interesting dynamic between Gregor and, and Finn that happened over the last seven or eight months where, if you remember, Finn, I mean, she wasn't picked in November. So, theoretically, he wasn't. Townsend said he's not in the top three out halves that they have. Um, injury circumstances uh, evolved. The next thing, he's back in the team and they get a couple of, of, of good performances and good wins. And Gregor, who wasn't going to get recontracted back in January, February, they were talking to Leon McDonald and others. They suddenly then, you know, re-signed Gregor. And I felt that now Finn has maybe more power than, than Gregor, um, or certainly seems to be that way. And, uh, and, and so I think it's going to be hard for, for Gregor to, to take Finn out of the, the firing line as such. Um, because that's, that's how they got the bet. The most success I've got to the fifth in the world to be fair is is kind of playing through Finn. Um uh but I think from an Irish point of view it kind of gives you a um a much easier focus on how to shut it down. And um I think when he gets pressurized, you know, collectively, um like anybody, it, it's very difficult to to be as uh, elaborate or as ambitious as he as he likes to be. And then they get they get caught a little bit in that in those fifteens or inside in within the fifteens and then it's easier then you can go after the breakdown etc. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Like obviously I think Ireland will love will will have a big focus on getting their attacking game going. Um because obviously we didn't do it against South Africa but I don't I think the, the key to victory for us is just um snuffing them out and even taking our points if we have to just to uh to get that win. Brennan I have a question for you. Yeah it's coming back row. Yeah. Go, I don't know. I, I, I think that they're I, I think the front the issue is more in their front five, but hmm. individually, like individually they're all good players, but certainly collectively, um collectively I don't know if they if they have it. I mean what, what selection wise, where do you go? I mean Yeah, uh, that, sorry, that, in? well that well De- Dempsey or Fagerson is the first question, but then they yeah. have Rick, Richie the captain and Watson yeah, and, and Darge. Richie got a bad bang, didn't he? Um, is he? Uh, I I would say I'd say from a, an Irish point of view, I would probably prefer Watson didn't play. Um, do you know what I mean? Like I think I think he adds to it. Yeah, he's an expert, um, isn't he? Yeah. Dempsey, I think Dempsey's got a little bit more collision in him. Yeah. And um, then Fagerson, but mm-hmm. Fagerson's a worker. Um, and then obviously Richie, yeah, is the captain. Um, do you do you rate them? Yeah, I do. Um, I think Watson is, is a super player. I think he's you know, obviously pretty banged up. He yeah. gets a lot of big injuries. That's just you know the way he plays. Uh, I actually really like Darge as well as player. Yeah. I've played against him a good few times. He's young, but he's like pretty dynamic, and he's so it depends on what tack they want. But you know, Richie is obviously their captain and their leader and stuff, but. If you want dynamism and if you want kind of more X factor, a bit more explosive back row, um, threats wise, I probably wouldn't play Richie. Now that's obviously then the captaincy would probably go to Russell anyway. But yeah, it's just an in, it's just interesting. I, I saw um, Andy Good say that Darge and and Watson have to play uh, if you're coming up against Ireland, and I thought it was a pretty interesting take. Yeah, I I would agree that if they're going to win this game. They probably need to make brave calls, and you need to get yeah. as much you need to get as much dynamism and as much athleticism into that pack as you can. Yeah, um, and they're they're limited enough to what they can do. Um, 
in the in the in the in the, in the front row, but uh, they certainly their back row is probably their, the back row of the best individuals. But yeah, yeah, I, I think our back row would 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 match up pretty well. Uh, yeah, yeah. While we're while we're on the pack, line out for both sides is going to be a big factor. Scotland had massive issues against Ireland last time in the Six Nations and have had issues for a while. Ireland though have had issues as well, and we might focus on them to begin with. Um. The other day, Birch, we were speaking to a couple of the players and Dan Sheen, for example, was saying there's no no major fix needed, no major surgery. It's just about simplifying things, like not making a big deal about it necessarily and just getting the reps through and getting comfortable with things. Is is it actually sometimes just as simple as that? Yeah, 100%. And, and the, the, the simpler you can, can make it to a certain extent in terms of whatever menu you go in with this weekend and just have a have a real clear plan have a real good understanding of how they defend like it's not the same threat that South Africa present in the air to be fair um, and you know the best example of that is is the fact that we could win the ball exclusively with you know Josh Renner Fleer thrown in the second half so, and, uh, so like I, I fair play to Josh he threw well but they're not the same as the box and also I think you will have had a really good conversation between Paul O'Connell and Mike Cass this week around, you know, whether whether having the possession is more important, which I think I think probably against Scotland you can afford to win it at the at the front a little bit. Um whereas obviously against South Africa, you're really slow to win at the front because it's very hard to get back to the game line then. Um whereas I think Ireland will say, look at just having the ball, even if we don't damage him on first phase, we'll get him on phase six or seven. Um, so I think it'll be easier for whoever's playing hooker, whoever's calling lineups this weekend, and it'd just be a great time to just have that really sharp, snappy lineup performance, uh, and it's bedded in then because the players will be frustrated asking answer questions about it. The players will be frustrated having decent weeks, and and then it's just not coming together, you know, on match day. So um, yeah, I, I like again, I, I I've full confidence in, in everyone involved in that that they can. They can fix it. Yeah, I think they'll probably take a couple of more pragmatic yeah. options early on as well, just get themselves into the game. Obviously, there's a lot of question marks for the last two weeks about it. So, um, yeah, probably they could go to a couple of shortened line outs, just take tempos quickly and get the ball in. Because, you know, I think one of the keys is holding the ball. Um, again, same with what, what Birch just said there. The This isn't the box defense here. If they can hold the ball, bring them two phases, I think they should do pretty well. One thing that popped into my head yesterday, and it was when Dan Sheehan was was speaking, and feel free to tell me if this is just a stupid idea. It was just something that popped into my head, and you two would know a lot more about this. But she asked that question. It's strong chance. Go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Okay, keep going. Do, do, do you ever hear the phrase? There's no such thing as a bad as a stupid question. Well, yeah. find out now. no, but Sheehan, for example, he was talking about um while he was out injured, not being able to throw for a little while and just missing out on, on getting those reps. And I just was wondering, would, like, for the last while, Ireland have probably had inconsistent selection at hooker, just down to injuries where Dan Sheehan has obviously missed a bit of time and missed a game in the Six Nations. Ronan Keller has had their issue, has had his injury issues as well. So you've had, you've had the three of those hookers kind of swapping a lot of time, throw in Tom Stewart as well for one of the warm-up games. Does does that have an impact on just getting all the little timings right around the line-out of 
just not so much the throwing itself, but being able to, you know, the jumpers and lifters judging their timing off the throws as well. Do those little inconsistencies have much of an effect? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they have, they have a massive effect. In fairness, I think... So it wasn't a stupid question. No, no, geez, I, I was very <laughs> impressed. I, I didn't know where you were going to go with that. Um, no, of course, of course it does. And look, you look at the, the, the makeup of the pack for, even though we went strong, you know, Joe McCarthy's playing, etc., etc. Um, the Bayon game, obviously, you know, Tom Stewart, uh, starts, um, and you know it was a tough night. The weather conditions were poor, etc. But yeah, every that it's a like you don't normally see this because kind of going into November, um, the team are settled. They normally are settled for the you know first game, and then there's mass changes for that weaker game, and then the third game, the first team come back in. Um, Six Nations, it's pretty consistent. You have your first choice team, maybe make a few changes for Italy, um, and a summer tour. You know, there's not as much scrutiny on it, uh, uh, but there's probably more change in that. But this World Cup, up till now, there has been a change, particularly with Hooker, with Dan and Ronan having injuries, etc. So uh, I think now it'll settle and it'll be Dan and Ronan or Ronan and Dan um, all the way through barring injury. And and obviously, you'll have a settled four-pack as well. So um, that could have been the little 2 or 3% that was just affecting a, a couple of lost balls. On... On the Scottish side, we mentioned they've had their, their line-out issues as well. And then it's been a common theme, particularly in Ireland-Scotland games over the last few years, that Ireland have really, really done a job on on the Scottish throw. Yeah. Um, and again, look, you have to give credit to James Ryan. Um, I think in the last couple of seasons, he's really, really evolved as... You know, he's obviously calling the lineouts now for Ireland, but I think his defensive presence is uh is awesome. Um, his like reading of the lineouts, getting up, disrupting ball, and even if even if he doesn't win it, his you know speed into position and his weight behind the ball is is huge for Ireland. He mightn't be the biggest pack in the tournament, but you can look up against these you know France and Africa's um that that'll be crucial. So. Credit to the team. Um, there's obviously two sides of the coin, uh, attack and defense. And and you know, if if JR can get up and nick a couple of balls, uh, it'll be huge for, for the Irish team. In fairness, just on that, I think it's an area Dan's completely right. I think O'Connell, when he came in, put a huge focus on pressure in the air, and, and um we are good at making reads, we are good at, at pressurizing the catch, and even the fairness at the start of the the Paul O'Connell era, we were actually giving away quite a few penalties for for bumping in the air and and, and kind of um, impeding the delivery. Uh, and we've kind of eased off on that a little bit, but are still very, very active. Uh, we're a team that want to get up. And it's different than the, the, the box, which were like, they defend in blocks, so they defend in the middle and back. Um, we, we kind of try and mirror a little bit better, uh, a little bit more, which obviously gives you more options. You can pressurise the front ball as well. But... Um, it is an area we're quite good in, and I would say we have forced Scotland to be inaccurate at line of time when we've played them rather than they've just bottled it. Yeah, and also, like, if you look at the, the personnel that they have, they'll have in those kind of defensive jumping, like, Armani is world-class in defensive line as well. Amazing spring, and he's... But you can even see it with Munster, he disrupts a lot of ball. If you... Tony Tyburn, JR at the front, and Amani moving around. It is. It's a pretty potent three. So 
Um, it's always, you know, it comes back to the plan with these kind of things. You have to have a crystal clear plan. If there's any indecision, you miss, you miss the opportunity. So the fact that they do have that two week run up will kind of lend itself to, you know, they'll, they'll have they'll have their homework done and hopefully they can get up and disrupt. Um, Just on defensive lineup systems, Dan, when you were when you were playing on a full lineup, where did you like to to be in the lineup? Out of the lineup. Yeah, I know, but if you were yeah. ever. Yeah, well, a couple of times, but like, yeah, tail I, I used to get slagged. Yeah, I was. The, uh, <laughs> I was trying to remember you. Spring, trying to remember yeah, a big yeah. steal from you, but I couldn't. There's not many. There's not many. Uh, <laughs> okay. But yeah, no, I, I honestly, I think in my whole career, I ever got like two steals. Um, I used they used to put me if I wasn't off the tail, I was actually at the very back of the lineup. So I just try yeah. sit on the fifty and try and go. So, um, thanks for bringing that up. That's all right. You mentioned um, you mentioned Peter O'Mahony, obviously, and we're we're probably expecting he's going to be named in the squad in some description today, and and if he does, that's going to be a one hundredth Irish cap for him. And I suppose I'd just be curious for both of you to to get your thoughts on him. First of all, you Dan, who would have played with him for Ireland, but also I presume against him quite a few times then as well in Leinster Munster games. Yeah, loads of times. Um, I actually bumped into his old man in Paris. Uh, he was the solo Mahoney over there because he was hoping, you know, if they got through, I think there's a there's the whole clan going over on the ferry to uh, someone. Someone has know, to stay back and mind the garden, you know. Yeah, fifteen, yeah, fifteen <laughs> or sixteen of them heading over, which is great. Um, I mean, Peter's an absolute legend, um, amazing player, super leader, um, and. Look, I think he's really, really grown even in the last few years. I think he's getting more and more well-rounded as a player. And credit to him, 100 caps is an amazing achievement. Um, again, knowing knowing Pete and knowing the man he is, he uh, he, he won't really care about that. He'll want, he want uh, his spot in the quarters and, and a lot more than that as well. So um, credit to him and I hope he has a fantastic day out. Yeah. And Bertrand, like it says a lot about him, the way he's come back in the last couple of years where around 2001 it looked like Jack Conan had kind of taken that back row place and Caelan Doris would would be at six but to a man he's credit he he's taken a jersey back and he's he's forced his way back in there and now seems to be part of that first choice back row trio yeah I, I think we all were writing him off two years ago when when Jack got ahead of him and he wasn't part of that uh, first first choice back row and then we were well I certainly was saying well is he a good impact player off the bench you know obviously from a an old head and a, and a defensive point of view he is, but he isn't your typical impact player from a um, a ball carrying or an explosive point of view. But it, it, to be like, if you take him and Bundy, like they've both kind of found a new level of form late in their in their career, which is kind of unusual and it's testament to to them and and, and the SNC and the coaches and Pete. Like the way Ireland play, Pete's often on, on the edge, and I would have said four or five years ago. You know, he was maybe a liability there, or certainly he wasn't going to give you anything dynamic. Uh, and he's 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 made he's made himself into very capable there. Like he's he's able to get you go forward, but also he can he can pass pre contact. He he can offload now, um, and has kept all the other aspects of his game, which are you know really tough, uh, really good defensive line and operator. Um, Over the ball, yeah, oh yeah, phenomenal, and. Uh, uh, I think it's class, and it's class to see like the Centurions, um, hopefully getting uh, you know, a, a really positive World Cup experience, which they haven't had up to now. 
He seems genuinely horrible to play against, Dan. Pete? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was fine. Like, obviously, it was always a Munster. So, you know, it was pretty fired up for, for everyone in the Munster team. So, yeah, look, he's, you know, he, he is a big leader. Um, one of the things that's great when you play with him is just, you know, he's always in your corner and he'll always stick up for you. Um, and I think, you know, that that's one of the things that's very nice about the team. I think it's well balanced at the moment. I think you've got, you know, you're almost your enforcer there with Pete, who's quite vocal. And, and then Josh can kind of do his thing. And he's kind of a bit more of a, you know, an introverted kind of, um, you know, he wouldn't be particularly vocal and wouldn't be obviously a phenomenal player, but he probably wouldn't be the one starting fights and, and sticking up for people. So you've got a nice balance. And then Caelan is kind of a bit of both. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, in, in terms of to play against him, um, he's definitely always the talisman. Yeah, he's got a, he's kind of got a, a marker in his head and, and uh, play with him is great. Well, another talisman, Johnny Sexton, still seems to be getting better. And as we head into the final handful of games at most that he's going to be playing in his career, like he, he doesn't look like a player who even needs to retire. Now, maybe his, his family might disagree with that. They might want to see a bit more of him. But um, it was funny something my cat said in, in the press conference the other day where, with the benefit of hindsight, Birch, they probably feel that, obviously, they didn't want Johnny Sexton to get banned. But with the way things have fallen into place, him getting a, a fine, long preseason to, to get himself fresh for a World Cup, avoids an injury uh, coming into the tournament, gets to work his way through those games against Romania and Tonga. It's it's almost in a way worked out to Ireland's benefit. Yeah, no, it has. It's it's ironic. And, and probably like it was quite a serious injury he got against England and, and obviously needed an operation. Um and knowing him and knowing what we kind of think is the is the right way to prepare for a tournament like that, you would have been saying, look, get some game time in August, you know, um to get up to match speed, test, etc. But that opportunity was taken away. That was taken away from uh, because of the ban, and he's come in. And look, I was no, I wasn't surprised he'd be able to find his his straps like straight away. I mean, he's he's well used to coming back from the cold and and playing big games. Um, but yeah, he looks he looks in in unbelievable shape. And and the problem, not the, the thing about Johnny is even when his legs go, well, we were probably never going to see that. But uh, if his legs did go, his mind is so sharp, and his ability to to see the game properly like he sees it better than everyone else he's never wrong um about the game and he probably like to be fair tell you that as well. <laughs> i know that but he genuinely like i don't know how many times you've caught him out dan but he genuinely is very very rarely wrong um and he just has this it's weird it's weird because we all play the same game or have played it and we all see the same footage in opposition but he just just gets it he gets it and he's able to Get people around them doing the things that they need then to, uh, to make it work. It's um, yeah, it, it, like I was lucky enough to play with like some really amazing, amazing players like O'Driscoll and Jason Robinson, etc. And they're all phenomenal players. Um, and they got the game, but I think Johnny had Johnny's at a different level. Um, I also think he had kind of a unique ability to kind of he could miss whatever amount of games and come back in and he's he's match fit and he's razor sharp. Um not like particularly forwards. 
most people aren't able to do that. I remember Robbie Henshaw is another one you could just chuck in whenever and he's ready for 80 minutes and he's super sharp. So um, that definitely lends to, you know, the fact the fact that he was injured at the start of the season, I I, I was actually saying it's it's not bad. It's not the worst thing because I think he was almost close to being able to run for the La Rochelle game. I think he was potentially running back then. Um, and I said, look, this guy just needs to be in cotton wool. He'll be able to perform when he needs to. So um, even with regards to this weekend, if they can get ahead and get a couple of scores ahead, get him off the field. So he's he's definitely fit for what comes next. That's a confident take. I like it. Last bit I want to ask you about. And as I mentioned, the Irish squad moving on from tour off to, off to Paris uh, today. And they'll be in Paris for as long as they're left in this World Cup. But um, one thing that's really stood out from being here in the last week is how often players and, and, and the coaches are speaking about how much they've enjoyed it here. And it seems to be a city that's been ideal for a camp like this, where they're just an hour out, you know, an hour and 20 minutes on a train outside of Paris. It's a, it's a city. So there's lots to do, but it's a small city. So there aren't too many distractions. You're, you're close enough as, as we said to the big match venues you're going to, but you're quite outside of the, the world cup bubble. And it seems to have just suited everything the Irish camp needs. I'd, I'd be curious, Dan, like from tours that you would have been on Australia with Ireland or, or Japan and USA the, the summer before, how much how much of an impact do those things have on just where you're based and the, the comfort levels for the players of being able to to enjoy something but not have too many distractions and getting that right balance? Yeah, I think it's important. Obviously, the World Cup's a completely different kind of fish in terms of hype and, and interest from the general public. Um, we weren't getting mobbed in our hotel in Tokyo anyway, let me tell you. Um, sorry, the first time. Um, so yeah, look, I think they've hit the balance really, really well. Um, it's 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 a pretty quiet town from, from what I hear. And you know, they've got enough to do, but they're not in the hustle and bustle of the city and and, and all the hype. And you know, I've heard reports of the the French rugby team where there's you know um, media everywhere, the security everywhere, and Joe is definitely in terms of pressure. You definitely would feel it, having been you know in that camp for so long, and have you know not the scrutiny, but the whole country and nation you know following you around and everything. Um, it definitely you definitely feel that a little bit. So I think Ireland done really well so far. Um, um, credit to the uh, kind of backroom staff for kind of picking that place. Yeah, and it's funny, like you mentioned the security, you still see it's the same tons of security around the, the Irish camp, but they're protecting them from nothing. There's like, it's it's kind of a, it's about a, from you, yeah, it's a couple of miles <laughs> outside. Of, microphone trying to get interviews. It's a couple of miles outside the city and like, it's a quiet little part of town. Sure, there's nobody around. There's hardly a car going up and down the street, but you've you've all the, the heavy police presence there. But anyway, it's on to Paris now and and hopefully the bed bugs don't catch us. Um, We've all been nervously reading about them over the last few days. There's a, an infestation in Paris, but hopefully hopefully that's the worst thing that'll happen to, to Ireland and Paris this weekend. Final call, lads. Quick word, predictions this weekend. How's it going to go? Ireland by 10. I'm going to say Ireland by 13. Thank God none of you said Scotland by 21 and uh, <laughs> and, and bonus points all around. <laughs> Listen, it's been great, lads. Um, just a reminder for everyone, 
Ireland Scotland live on RT Radio 1 on Saturday night full commentary with Michael Corcoran and also a load of games coming up over the next few days on RT2 and RT Player Thursday night New Zealand against Uruguay that's an 8 o'clock kickoff on Friday France or uh, France against Italy also an 8 o'clock kickoff in Poulet then on Saturday a double header Wales against Georgia and England versus Samoa and then on Sunday also a double header you've got Tonga against Romania 4.45 on RT to an RT player and then Fiji against Portugal is the final game of the pool stage Birch it's been great thanks a million for joining us and Dan yeah. as well it's been lovely having you on and best of luck with the uh, with the, the venture and the, the new release thank you very much oh let's call it out we forgot the name there and now you did <laughs> I 100% did yeah I couldn't remember was there an or in it but listen anyway best of luck with everything it's been great fellas and uh, we'll be back on the RT Rugby World Cup podcast next Tuesday The RTE Rugby World Cup Podcast, sponsored by Bank of Ireland.